Welcome, everybody. It is great to be with you this morning. My name is Kendra Yoder, and I am the Title IX Deputy Coordinator for the Title IX Office here at Goshen College. And it is a pleasure to be here this morning to talk about Title IX, sexual misconduct, everything you need to know about reporting and about the support and uh, processes available to you here at Goshen College. I will be co-presenting with my colleague, uh, Beth Martin Berkey, uh, and we will be sharing lots of good information with you this morning. I thought I'd open with some words from Greta Claussen here. So let's start with this small video. Hi, I'm Greta Love Claussen. Um, I'm a second year, I use she, her, uh, hers pronouns. And I think it's important so that we encourage people to report on campus so that we can um, prevent things from happening in the future and provide support for survivors if something does happen. And also so that we just have a um, better idea of what's going on on campus um, so that we can acknowledge that sexual assault is real and that it happens. All right, thank you, Greta, for, for opening up with those words about why this topic is so important. Our convocation plan this morning and the next 30 minutes, we're gonna um, talk about and introduce Title IX people, policy and processes. We are going to review some reporting options for you as students. We're gonna offer some definitions of sexual harassment and assault and then discuss the formal complaint options. So it's a lot of information, uh, but please know that Beth and I are both available for any follow-up questions after this morning. Okay, first of all, the people that are involved in Title IX. The Title IX office is made up of two people who work within it. My, my um, colleague, Beth Martin Berkey, uh, oversees Title IX policy. She oversees the formal grievance process, and we'll talk more about what that is. And uh, she also coordinates our sexual misconduct response team. In my position as the deputy coordinator, I'm the one who receives those reports and provides supportive measures and options to people in that first encounter once they name an incident. I also, I also oversee the informal resolution process, which Beth will talk about more in a little bit. And the best part of my job is I get to help coordinate prevention and education, including um, the Prevention Intervention Network, or PIN. So we do not do this alone. We have a wonderful advisory committee made up of individuals across campus who represent different parts of the campus and the interests there. Uh, you can see here, we have representation from DEI with Dr. Lakendra. Uh, Chad is the director of campus safety. Erica Albertine is the athletic director and Dolores Johnson is our uh, HR director and so they help us with uh, critical decision making and over helping us oversee our larger processes. I mentioned that I wanted to make sure we all knew what the Title IX policies were here at Goshen College but also what that broader uh, federal law is and you can read it right here. It's a very short and simple law that requires institutions of higher education to uh, respond and eliminate any type of discrimination that would exclude somebody from being successful in school. And here are the, here's the language straight from that law, and that's what our work really stems out of. In terms of the Title IX resourcing here at Goshen College, we work, Beth and I work, to address sexual harassment and assault, to remedy those situations when they happen, and uh, 
and then to really use those experiences to help prevent it from happening in the future. And this is really an important piece of uh, doing this work well and responding quickly and um, carefully and thoughtfully so that we can make this place, um, our campus, a much safer and supportive community for everybody. Another policy uh, that I think we need to mention here is that we have a really broad uh, no tolerance policy related to harassment. And that's not just harassment related to uh, sex-based harassment or gender-based harassment. That is, includes sexual, racial, religious, um, and as well as a number of other protected categories named in federal law and, and local law. And so we want everybody to know that at Goshen College, there is no tolerance for harassment for any of these protected groups. And we are serious about how we respond to that when it does happen. I always like to include a quick trigger warning when we're talking about sexual harassment and assault. Uh, it is easy to be triggered by thinking about these situations, especially happening here and around us or in our own lives. So please take care of yourselves. And I also want to say that when we talk about reporting or we encourage reporting, that is by no means to judge or put pressure on anybody to re report if they are not ready to. It is really your uh, right to decide when and if reporting um, your experiences to Goshen College or to the Title IX office. It's really your right to decide when and how you want to do that. So please take care of yourself. Reach out for help afterwards if you find yourself triggered. And be sure to check out our, our uh, broader information on the, on the website. So why report? Let's listen to Mariah um, share a little bit about her perspective here. Hi, my name is Mariah Kaufman. I'm a junior from Lawrence, Kansas, and I'm majoring in music and secondary education. At Goshen College, we encourage people to report sexual harassment and violence because we wanna connect survivors with resources. We want to create a culture of accountability where perpetrators are held responsible for their actions. And we also want the college to know what is going on on campus so they can intervene when necessary also that we can create a better living and learning environment for everyone at Goshen College. So thank you, Mariah. That was a pretty comprehensive description about why we encourage reporting here at Goshen College. And here is a short list of um, additional reasons or supportive reasons for why reporting is important. And I think I'm going to underscore this as we talk about how you report and when you report. Reporting simply means letting us know about your experience. Most of the services, the supportive measures, the options going forward are going to be uh, based on your needs uh, and an opt-in um, response. So when we talk about reporting, uh, what, why we want folks to report here at Goshen College is because it helps stop a problematic behavior. It allows people to get support and safety if that's a part of their experience. Uh, it 
helps protect the person in, who experienced the incident as well as our broader community. It helps us create a context where we're able to remedy a situation and hold people accountable for those actions that are problematic. And it's also to help prevent things from happening in the future. It's really hard to know how to address uh, issues or how to locate problematic problematic behaviors in areas on campus if we don't know about them. So that is a big part of why we encourage people to report. And as many of you know already that there are lots of reporting options that you can access. Certainly uh, when you experience a crime, you uh, can report off campus to any police department or officer. You can also report your experience of sexual harassment or violence in an emergency room or a medical setting to a doctor or medical professional. On campus, you have um, a number of, of options as well, including an online re report. And uh, on that report, you can choose to report your experience from an anonymous category, which means you don't include identifying information about your, yourself or the, or the people who, um, who perpetrated the incident, but you're wanting to let GC know what has happened. Uh, you can also name yourself so that you're able to receive supportive measures uh, and some safety uh, support if you need it, or you can also name both yourself and the people involved in the incident and the response to the incident. All of those are options. We want you to have lots of options and ways of letting us know your experience. You can also report in person to me or to really any GC employee, uh, including your RA. So lots of ways to report. Here is our form online for those of you who um, haven't seen it and this purple button right in the middle is how you access and reach that online report form. So who can help you report? I think this is also important. Uh, we have a number of designated confidential resources on campus who are specifically designated to be able to help people navigate their options when an incident of sexual harassment or assault occurs. And you'll see Regina Shanstolsfus is, is on WISE third floor in the PJCS department. Um, Emily Osborne is an athletic trainer in the RFC. Joanne Giardo is our campus pastor, and she's in WISE as well. And Katie Tipton is from Mary Lee. And these folks are designated as people who can who can keep the information that is shared with them about these incidents confidential. So they don't have to, or they will not share that information unless they have expressed permission from the person who shared it with them. And they are trained and they're educated to help people work through their options and explain the process so that people can make the most informed decision for themselves about how they want to proceed. The one exception in our confidential resources and support, of course, is if there is an immediate threat to the individual or community in terms of their safety or if there's a, a minor involved. Otherwise, that information is kept confidential. Uh, the other confidential support we have on campus outside of this designated confidential resources are our counseling team members, and you can see them here. Uh, counseling is free at Goshen College and is kept confidential. You can email a counselor directly or fill out a form for an appointment, and uh, they have lots of really good resources for people who are looking for some of that longer-term support um, in a confidential resource. And then finally, you can always tell a trusted faculty or staff member. 
One thing to note about that is that at Goshen College, we ask all GC employees to let the Title IX office, which is um, Beth and I, but I am the one who receives reports. We've asked all GC employees to let me know when they learn of a of a sec incident of sexual harassment or assault. And that is to make sure that all students have access to resources uh, and get the same connection to those uh, supportive measures and options. We want people to be treated consistently and professionally and we um, and those reports that go from faculty are, are private, so they have to share it with the Title IX office, but they don't share it with anybody other than really essentially me as the deputy coordinator taking those reports. So just know that, that if you confide in a faculty or staff member, including your RA, uh, they will need to put you in contact with me. After that, it's really an opt-in situation for you. So that moves us right into what happens after you report. And again, um, just to reiterate, those reports only are seen by me. I read them. I decipher um, the next best step steps, which include sending you an email and inviting you to come in and meet in person or on Zoom to discuss the options. In that meeting, uh, we talk about resources and information, and I do a risk and safety assessment just to ensure that there isn't an immediate threat that we need to address in terms of safety. After that, I share information about formal complaint options. If it is, if it is, um, if you would like to file a formal grievance and seek um, resolution, or if you would like to engage in some informal resolution practice. So at this point, I'm going to turn the um, I'm going to turn the webinar over to Beth, who's going to talk more about those formal complaint options. Good morning. Um, my name is Beth Martin Berkey, and I'm an associate academic dean here at Goshen College. And part of my job is serving as Title IX coordinator. As Kendra noted, that's working with um, policy, but it's also working with the formal complaint process. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I've got a lot of information here and I hope that you um, sort of follow along, take it in, and then at the end there I'm sure that if you have questions we'll be happy to answer those. So please just email one of us. So what is a formal complaint? It's different from a report. So the report is an effort to just let us know what happened. Kendra can provide you with support and options, do a risk assessment. But at some point then, we want you to move and sort of decide whether or not you want to move forward with a resolution. And that's a more formal way of addressing the situation, resolving the conflict, and determining on the part of the complainant what, the, what kind of resolution would be most helpful. So Kendra will help you draft a formal complaint if you decide you want to go that step. And it identifies the specific allegation and it would request a resolution process. The complainant signs that so that they know exactly what issues we're moving forward on. And then um, the respondent receives a notice of allegation that lets them know what the situation is and helps them understand their part in the process as well. 
The new federal regulations have identified some more specifically some categories that we consider in Title IX processes, and they've used this larger umbrella of sexual harassment, um, but it really encompasses all of these different kinds of definitions. <clears throat> and I think the definitions are on our website, but I think it's, it's more important, Kendra, if you move to the next slide, it's more important for you to think about um, and click on the, there you go. I want you to understand some parameters for sexual harassment. Um, it involves any person upon any other person. It doesn't matter what your sex is, what your gender identity, your sexual orientation. Sexual harassment can happen between any two people. Sexual harassment can include comments, but also behavior. And some of the keys that I think help us assess whether it moves to that level of harassment is that it's unwelcome, it's non-consensual, it's seen as objectively offensive by just a general, it's, there's sort of a reasonable person standard. Most people would see this as an offensive act or comment. And it also needs to be pervasive, meaning it's been happening in a, in a broad way across several people, or it's been happening repeatedly, and it needs to be severe and that it's causing pretty negative, situ ne negative consequences. It can happen in any medium. So we have kind of our stereotype of what sexual harassment looks like. Um, but it can be physical, it can be verbal, it can be textual, it can be visual. And it can also happen anywhere. So it can be one-on-one -on -one in person, but sexual harassment can also occur online. It can be by text, um, any format. It can be um, even inappropriate, like non-consensual videotaping, things like that. Sexual harassment is also, it includes both those things where someone might have an intent to harm someone else, but also encompasses in unintended negative effects. And that's where um, I think it's a really important when we address, especially with the allegation stage, to help both help a respondent know what impact their behavior has had on someone else. All right, so what is a resolution process? Um, the resolution process is when a complainant asks for help with resolving what has happened, and they'd like to do it through some sort of structured process. And as we move into attempting some sort of resolution, I wanna keep the main goal in mind, and that is to provide equal access to education programs and activities for all students on our campus. That's the purpose of Title IX. And in the last decade, there's this recognition that sexual harassment and assault have actually kept some people from being able to participate in their education because of the negative impact it can have on our environment. Please know that in a resolution process, while it's different than that first stage of providing a safety plan and supporting measures, supportive measures continue throughout the entire process. A resolution process also assumes that all the participants, both the complainant and the respondent and the witnesses, would all participate in good faith, meaning they will tell the truth, they would like the outcome to be beneficial for themselves and the community. And so that's another assumption we have as we move forward. Resolution is also, um, we're committed to fairness and impartiality, impartiality so that we can all fully understand what the options are. <clears throat> and the goal is also then to have some accountability and to remedy the situation as it is appropriate. A formal complaint can go down two different paths. One is informal resolution and the other is a formal grievance process. 
we've been doing these two different branches for a while and the informal resolution is very similar to how we've been processing things. The formal grievance process is one of the bigger changes with the new Title IX regulations that went into effect in August. Um, but both of those processes lead to sort of this notice of what we're going to do next. There'll be a variety, there'll be different people involved in depending on which process you choose. So in an informal resolution, Kendra would be overseeing that you would be either have the opportunity to bring your own advisor or we can appoint one for you or you can choose one from some of the staff on campus who've been trained to help you with the process. And then depending on the situation, you might have a trained facilitator. So if the, if the complainant and respondent agree upon mediation, for example, then we would uh, provide a trained mediator. The formal grievance process would include me as the Title IX coordinator. Again, you'd also have advisors who can walk alongside you, support you, give you advice, et cetera. And then the other people that are involved are witnesses. There are investigators, um, and those could be internal Goshen College people who've been trained, or it could also be an external investigator that we decide depending on the situation. And then there are members of a hearing panel who would review the evidence and make a determination. So when a formal complaint moves into an informal resolution, you can kind of see the, 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 the path that you would be on. And I want to just mostly emphasize that generally with an informal resolution, both people agree that harm has been done. Both people agree to try to find some sort of solution. And at any point when someone has requested informal resolution, the respondent can accept responsibility and just say, yes, this, this happened, I'm really sorry, what can I do to make it better? And so that is part of the process as well. When a formal complaint moves into a formal grievance process, it's a little bit more, more extended. Again, the respondent can always accept responsibility but there is that investigation process. Everyone gets a, an opportunity to carefully review the investigation report and add things to it. There's a referral to a hearing where there's some planning and making sure we have all the evidence in place and that both the complainant and respondent know what we're moving forward with. And then there's a hearing process where there's the review of evidence with everyone present. And then the hearing panel makes determinations of responsibility or not responsible and provides plan for sanctions or remedies. The investigation, I'm just gonna sort of go through this briefly, but you can see that it involves some interviews, some gathering evidence. Um, there's the investigative report, which we can come, we come back to a couple of different times to make sure that it's accurate and complete. And depending on the situation, um, we may end up actually reviewing this again. So a complainant might be interviewed a second time, a witness might be interviewed a second time, et cetera. So just know that that's kind of an iterative process. Then there's the hearing, prep, uh, the hearing process. So you've got the pre-hearing meetings and then the hearing itself is bracketed off. And I wanna just emphasize that this is going to be in our new format. Um, the federal regulations require that all the parties involved are able to hear and see the evidence that's being considered for a determination. That's sort of the bottom line of what the new regulations have been working toward. And we're going to conduct this so that they can hear it all at the same time. We're going to conduct this in a Zoom um, meeting. And that way it gives people the option to, 
to mute or to turn off pictures, participate to the level that they're comfortable with. But the hearing is basically a time to present evidence. There's a time to ask questions about evidence for clarification. And that is all done through the hearing panel chair. <clears throat> Sometimes if there's a determination of responsibility, you can see the range of sanctions that could be imposed from the least um, punitive to the most serious. And you'll, you'll note that as we move in levels of severity of the incident, um, yes, it can include expulsion. It might mean that you are not able to come back on campus. And at the most severe, it could be withholding or revoking a degree. The other thing that happens though are remedies. And again, if you remember that goal of being able to restore access to education for everyone, <clears throat> these are the different pieces that we can utilize to kind of bring things back to um, a safe and stable and accessible environment. And so it might include counseling or some training programs. It could include a continued safety plan and no contact order. There could be academic adjustments that could even include perhaps a withdrawal, a medical withdrawal from the semester with, without penalty. And there can be some permanent changes in housing as well. So Kendra and I aren't the only ones who work with these elements. There are some people that have gone through some pretty extensive training with a national organization called ATIXA um, for, the new, for the regulations and what's involved in these processes. On the left, you'll see we have three administrative faculty who will serve as the hearing panel members. And on the right, you will see some um, faculty, teaching faculty and a coach who help, works, help you through the process as an advisor. And both the complainant and the respondent are provided with advisors um, who can support them through this process. But we refer to this as the Sexual Assault Misconduct Response Team, SMRT. There have been a lot of changes and our policy looks really different. It's much more detailed than the other policy, but that, that is linked on the sexual harassment and assault webpage. And we're going to, now that this policy is, is up and running as of August 14, we're gonna, um, we'd like to invite you to join us to sort of review this comment on its impact on our community. And we'll be getting together with small groups um, later this semester. If you would like to reach out to us one-on-one, -on -one, that's fine. But if you have a group of people, a house, a floor, et cetera, that you'd like to talk to me or Kendra about what this means for you, um, please just let us know. And our goals for Title IX are pretty clear. We want you to have a safe and supportive community in which you can learn. And these are the, what you can see, these are some of the different steps and the things that we're hoping for. And I'm gonna turn it back to Kendra. Thank you, Beth, for that amazing um, uh, summary of our process. I think it's a lot to take in. And again, we are both here to answer questions and to make those processes as transparent and accessible as possible to all of you. And I want to do, I do want to give a shout out to Beth for um, doing an incredible job of rewriting our policy and thinking through the, the intricacies of this process. Um, 
at this time. So what we want to end with is just a simple call to action. And this is a call to action to all of you to take to do your part in making Goshen College as safe and supportive and respectful as possible. And so our call to action includes modeling healthy and respectful behavior, increasing your personal awareness about these issues around sexual harassment, continuing to develop your skills of being a pro-social bystander, developing skills to be an effective and supportive ally to survivors of harassment and assault, and finally, to continue to report uh, your experiences for support and response and remedy when that is applicable. And it is so empowering to be a part of a college community with so many people who are committed to this important work. And so in our last two minutes here, let's go ahead and hear from two more people about why they have gotten involved here at Goshen College. Hi, my name is Gussie. I use she, her pronouns. I'm a second year and I do prevention work at Goshen because I have friends and family members who are survivors of sexual assault. And I think that it's so important to prevent future instances of sexual assault from happening to the best of our ability. And then also supporting survivors and listening to their stories. Hi, I'm Katie. I'm a fourth year. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I do prevention work because I think it's really important for me to understand how to have a conversation surrounding this topic. A lot of the times it's really hard to talk about and I wanted to have the information to normalize having conversations with my family members about that because then it would uh, help me if I ever need to intervene in a situation, um, having the tools and knowledge to do that. Um, so that's a big reason why I'm part of PIN. All right, thank you so much for joining us this morning for this convocation. And again, please be in touch with your questions and thoughts. Um, we will look at your questions if you submitted them and get back to you. Thank you so much, have a wonderful day.